Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, the bye week's in the books. It's game week again, but more importantly, the Rangers are 1-0 oh, on easy. Monday morning against the Houston Astros. Easy. And, uh, easy. <laughs> Blake, you can't hide. You can't hide that Ranger fandom. That's right. That's right. Not at all. Well, hey, before we get into some Longhorn related stuff, Bobby, I want you to tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, absolutely. John uh, Donovan is the owner of uh, and president of Longhorn Wealth Management Group. John's a proud UT grad, as his as are his wife and six siblings, uh, which is what fuels John's UT passion and led him to dedicate his firm providing total wealth management services to all UT alumni and employees, as well as their respective families and friends. Uh, John has been proudly serving for more than 30 years. This week is National Estate Planning Awareness Week. So Longhorn Wealth wants to remind you to make sure you have updated your will, power of attorney, and trust documents, as these three important legal instruments are vital to ensuring your wishes are carried out properly to provide for your loved ones and or charitable beneficiaries upon your passing. To learn how Longhorn Wealth can help provide the most appropriate estate planning strategies and solutions to best meet your unique family, business, or charitable legacy planning desires, please give John and the Longhorn Wealth team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. We appreciate John and his sponsorship of Coffee and Football. All right, guys. Well, as, as I said, the bye week is in the book. Of course, Houston this week. Texas moved up a spot despite not playing number eight in the polls now. Sark has a press conference at 11. What are you guys looking to hear, hoping to hear, that type of deal? Now, I think we've had a lot of questions already about health of the team. Uh, I think that's the first thing is uh, kind of an update on, obviously, JT Sanders. We've been asked about him. Uh, somebody asked if he's 100%. Uh, we don't know that for sure. I mean, uh We'll find. We'll hear what Sark says. My 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 initial thought on that is watching him in the Cotton Bowl Saturday. There's no chance he got to 100 percent in that week. Where he'll be at the end of this week, I think, is the key. Um, you know, then offensive line. What, what does he say? It, it, do we? Is there a possibility Cole Hudson does return this week? Right? How long are they saying Jake Majors is out at this point? Uh, so I think uh, the on the injury front, that's the number one thing I'm I'm looking to hear. Um, and, and obviously, it, it'll be some of the same questions uh, he, he's gotten before on red zone and what they've worked on. But look, the staff was on. They, they had some practices Monday through Wednesday. It was more second, third team guys. Um, and, and then they were on the road recruiting Thursday through uh, Saturday. And uh, they were back in the offices Sunday. So they get it ramped up uh, today. Boy, a lot of a lot of smack baseball talk. <laughs> in the sections. I mean, come on. <laughs> Come on! I got news for both people. I'm not a. I, I, it's not like I watch every game. I think the Phillies are going to win the, the championship. Oh, there you go. It just hey, bow out of the real discussion between the Rangers and the. I, that's like the team of destiny in baseball. Hey, you mentioned injuries. Uh, it's not just JT Sanders. It's Jalen Catalan uh, that we talked yeah. about a little bit. Um, uh, Jake Majors, where is he at in his recovery process? Uh, Cedric Baxter, did he get healed? Uh, from his nicked-up injury that was, that's been plaguing him almost all season long. Um, the Longhorns had a lot of injuries uh, coming into the bye week. 
where they stand this week uh, will be interesting. Steve Sarkeesian goes to the mic today at 11 uh, to talk about uh, the Longhorns and this upcoming game uh, against um, uh, against the Cougars. Uh, Texas opened, guys, as 21.5-point favorites. 21.5-point favorites over U of H. Rod Babers uh, and I and you, Jerry, were talking last night. That sure does seem like a lot of points. What, what, what's your take on that, uh, Blake and Jerry? Yeah, I mean, look, I, again, I'm not a guy that's betting guy at all, but it's still a road game um, It's a t- against a team that should, should be able to score the ball. Um, it feels like a lot of points to me. I will say this. Uh, Texas averaged 570 yards of offense the last two games. I could see him getting that type of number against Houston. I mean, I really could. I was looking at it this morning. Um, U of H is 97th in the country in rush defense and only 93rd in the country in rush offense. That's a bad number against Texas for me. I mean, that means that means Texas is going to be able to run it and throw it on them. And if Texas uh, – if Texas stops the run against U of H, then I, I know U of H has good receivers. I know Donovan Smith uh, is a guy you could do some power QB run game stuff with. But uh, um, those are uh, – I don't know. I mean, I, I like – tech. if Texas goes out and plays a B-plus game, I like them by about the number. Yeah, I think it's a little high, but I don't know. I would probably take it. Uh, but I would definitely be nervous the entire game. You know, if it was 14 – that's like a comfort bet right there, but I don't know, 20, 21, 22-ish, that's, mm, I don't know, guys. That's a little high. Right. Cougars offense played well in the second half against West Virginia. I don't know if they can recreate that same uh, kind of uh, uh, velocity or momentum against the Longhorns, uh, but they certainly look good uh, at times. Uh, Donovan Smith finished that uh, finished that uh, that game uh, 16 of 16 with his final 16 uh, passes completed, including the Hail Mary to, to Spawn Johnson, the Oklahoma State transfer. Uh, Jerry, we talked about it. Oklahoma State uh, it has come back and played a good game again this past weekend. They win another one uh, in conference. Uh, yeah. Many people thought they would lost to Kansas. Uh, other, other Big 12 games, Kansas State kind of unveiled a new running quarterback named Avery Johnson, who rushed for five touchdowns uh, against Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech didn't know what really happened to him. I watched that game uh, as on a replay yesterday. Uh, they looked good. Uh, TCU started a new quarterback. Uh, they got taken – I mean, they just went out and womped BYU. Uh, it, was a, uh, it was an interesting weekend in uh, Big 12 play, uh, although the Longhorns were not a part of it. No, it really was. I think uh, I'm surprised you didn't make a Texas Tech joke there, Bobby. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. Sometimes the jokes just write themselves. You don't have to say anything. Jerry. Hey, I mean that was a big loss for Tech. I mean that takes you to the five and seven, six and six type of season. Um, so that that's not that's not what they had uh, starting the season. And now Texas Tech goes to BYU this weekend. Bad bad weekend to be playing BYU. They're coming off getting their butt kicked. Um, but, you know, uh, Texas Tech does have experience and altitude, just not good experience this year. Uh, so we'll yeah, see. How okay. I want to know if they're going to play Baron Morton or not. Yeah. I mean, he, he went out and he did not play in the second half of that game. Jake Strong came in and uh, ceremoniously threw three interceptions. 
Uh, he is does not have the same level of arm strength, and it is clear that uh, a little something's missing on offense right now for uh, a normally potent Texas Tech team. I, by the way, uh, Josh Hoover, uh, we've had some comments on that one. Look, uh, that one's one I was on before the season. Here's a big reason why. I was watching him play in high school a couple times at Rockwall Heath, but he played in that offense at Rockwall Heath. The head coach at Rockwall Heath when Josh Hoover came there, through there was the best friend and college roommate of Art Bryles at U of H. This guy, Josh Hoover's played in that offense. He has more of a downfield arm. And we kind of said it last night, Bobby, you and I talked about it last night. It's the second year in a row Sonny Dykes has picked the wrong starting quarterback to start the year. But it's the second year in a row that they the better quarterback may end up playing uh, because due to injury. And that's not a knock on Chandler Morris, but Josh Hoover is a better fit for this scheme. There is no doubt about it. I mean, look, backup quarterbacks taking over uh, at uh, K-State and uh, TCU. We'll see what that means. Texas has both teams coming up on the schedule later this year. Hey, by the way, looking at some stats, I was looking at Texas future opponents. The good thing for Tech Saturday – BYU is woeful, 129 in rushing offense. They literally can't run the ball with a very old and experienced offensive line. Uh, also remember that when they come to Austin in three weeks. Jeez. BYU right. reminds me of West Virginia a year ago, by the way. Yeah. They remind me of that when JT Daniels came with West Virginia last year. That's that's kind of the team they remind me of. Just can't quite get over the hump. Uh, we do have some more news to get to, but before we do, I want to field this one question since we're talking about Big 12 for you, Bobby, from Juan Gomez. He says, does the Big 12 still run through Lubbock? Like like crap through a goose. <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, you know, my, my take on that is, you know, it's like the Danny Stutzman thing at OU talking about Texas fears Oklahoma. Texas doesn't fear Oklahoma. Um when you talk like that, it, that it's something called karma, I guess, that just comes back around on you. You know, you don't you don't act like that and say outlandish, stupid things unless you want things like that to come home to roost. Uh, same can be said about Brett Yormark. Uh, just the way it is. And Joey McGuire, the problem is, Jerry and, and, and Blake, Brett Yormark is, I mean, he's a, he's a WWE guy. That's who he is. Uh, Danny Stutzman's a 20-year-old guy. I mean, he hasn't been through this. For Joey McGuire to do that last year and make such a big deal about it, now maybe he didn't personally make a big deal about it, but those around him did, um, that that showed a lack of understanding, I think, about what goes on uh, from from whoever. And, and I think, I think you know, the problem's coming home to roost right now. He's, he's looking at the back half of his schedule with the third-string quarterback. I think that the issue with making a comment, the comments that came out of there, and um, where one, you're going to find out who has thick skin and not, not, it's not going well for this season. But two, you better have a loaded roster if you're going to run that level of smack in recruiting and coaching. You better have a loaded roster. And, and they did not. And that's the issue there. Um, but we've had some questions on AM commits flipping. I mean, there's still. Look, these things play out a while, man. These kids aren't just jumping ship. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, the one thing about AM kids is, you know, they're not going to hear much positivity. That That's the problem that AM's got. 
um, in in recruiting right now is there's not any there's not going to the kids are not going to be hearing any positivity. Um, so that that is a big thing there. Florida had a big win over South Carolina, kind of ensures they get the six and six, maybe seven and five this year. Uh, but as far as A and M, uh, those they're not hearing the kids aren't going to hear positivity. But kids aren't going to sit there and decommit. That's not the the way this stuff works yet. Um, if if a couple more losses hit, we'll see what happens. Um, Missouri, hey Jerry, Missouri also beat Kentucky, so yeah. that's Ryan Wingo. Kind of thing, Missouri, well, and that ensures that ensures a nine and three, eight and four type of season for Missouri. Which look, that's a hell of a year for them. That's no a hell of a year for them. No, they just can't lose their quarterback. Um, by the way, uh, DeAndre Carter, Texas still feels good about him. Got some questions on that. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think I think something will play out there in the next week, ten days. Uh, Sark and uh, Kyle Flood were down there. So if Texas is going to flip DeAndre Carter, I think it happens fairly quickly here this month. I don't think it's something that really plays out to December. Longer it plays out, maybe the better it is for Auburn. Uh, but I think Texas feels pretty good about that one. Uh, I want to mention Texas offered uh, um, they offered Isaiah Williams, a receiver out of Tampa, Carrollwood Day, committed to Florida. Um, and he he's a four-star receiver. Was out a lot of his junior year with a broken collarbone. Uh, he is a very good player, though, man. Uh, very good player. Uh, he's got some quickness. He's got good ball skills. He's also played some corner, but he is a wide receiver. This offer has nothing to do. Everybody's freaking out. This has nothing to do with Ryan Wingo. If Texas doesn't get Wingo, they're going to the portal, big outside receiver. This Isaiah Williams is not the same player Wingo is. Doesn't even play the same position. Um, so just something to know there. Um, but Texas, is a kid, this is a kid they really liked on senior video. He's a teammate of Solomon Williams, so they've been watching Carrollwood Day very closely. PK was down at the school Friday, kind of told the staff that we may offer this kid. We really like him. Uh, then after the Carrollwood Day game, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski told uh, Marshall McDuffie, the head coach at Carrollwood Day, they would, in fact, be offering. Chris Jackson offered yesterday inside Texas. I caught up with Isaiah Williams. There's an update, a story there with quotes from Isaiah. Pretty interesting. He grew up in San Antonio, and Florida and Texas have always been the two schools for him. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Somebody's asking about Ty Anthony Smith. Uh, Texas goodbye there. We'll see. I mean, look, uh, we'll see if get, these kids have to get on campus. That's the, the Nothing's happening unless these kids get on campus. Uh, Ty Anthony Smith, I will say this now, uh, he had his official visit scheduled to Texas the Kansas weekend. Didn't end up making that trip. We'll see. Texas will keep chipping away at it and see what happens. Okay, guys. Well, uh, don't forget, at eight, around 8.30, we'll have Diamante Tucker-Dorsey joining us, as we do every Monday, to talk about the Longhorns. And uh, we have a super chat that I'm going to go ahead and read, fellas. And it's from Jimmy Trevino. He says, I'm back, boys. Finally over the Red River, Texas pecan this morning. It's time to start piling up wins, healthy or not. This is why Sark built depth. I agree with that. That's exactly why. By the way, maple pecan is the kind that I've been uh, going on lately. Starbucks, they have those little cups. I use those. Um, but I would say this uh, to you, uh, Jerry and, and uh, Blake and, and uh, Jimmy. Uh, I think that Depth is what allows teams to go deep into seasons um, and be able to not lose too much along the way, uh, if, if that makes sense. They, the step down is not this huge leap down, right? Uh, you can't go from a uh, fifth-year senior 
to a true freshman and not lose something in the in the uh, in the the wash. Uh, we saw that last week, or when Texas had to go from Jalen Catalan to Derek Williams. Yes, they lost experience, but Derek Williams, athletically at least, was plausible, uh, more than plausible. So uh, you see that in depth does matter, Jim, Jimmy. In my opinion. Okay, well, before we move on, Jerry, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Manscaped. Yeah, and right before I do that, somebody asked about Ryan Williams, a 2025 receiver. Sarah Land committed to Bama. He's, he is definitely still trying to reclassify the 2024. That's a tough recruitment, though, guys. I mean, Texas is trying, but so is Georgia, so is LSU, so is Auburn. I mean, this isn't everybody in America who wants this kid. Now, he'll play in the SEC. He'll stay in the SEC, but something to remember there. He's committed to Bama. His dad played at Auburn. There's extraordinary pressure to stay in state on that kid. Um, so we'll see what happens. But today we're brought to you by Manscaped, who has taken a step up it, from Halloween to bring your face the cleanest shave, shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, for anywhere, for wet and dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. I take it on the road with me for sure. This compact design and airplane friendliness make this perfect travel tool for on the go. And being able to shave up to three days' growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. Again, manscaped.com. Go to on go to manscaped.com on Texas all caps for 20% off free shipping. Got mine right here, guys. Take it on the road with me. Awesome product. <laughs> okay, y'all. Our guest is here. Bobby, I'm going to let you introduce him and take it away. Yeah, come on in, Tuck. How you doing, man? What's up, fellas? I'm good. How y'all doing? Good morning. Uh, hey, Diamante Tucker Dorsey joining us uh, here on, on Texas Football, brought to you by the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Uh, Tuck, I, I tell you what, uh, it's been a week. Uh, the Longhorns have kind of settled in after the bye week, and now it's time to get back to work. Uh, you've been a player. Uh, you played for Steve Sarkeesian last year. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? What did y'all do in that off week uh, when it came? Uh, you know, just touch up on the details, the little things, get uh, a lot of recovery, make sure everybody's healthy and back and ready to play. So um, I expect everybody that can be back to be back, um, you know, and then just kind of get ready to make a statement. Uh, was there any pre-looking at teams down the road, or were you almost laser-focused on just the next opponent during that week? Oh, no, definitely just the next opponent, unless it's like a playoff game and you don't know who you're about to play. But, uh, yeah, you got to just get ready for the next opponent. So I, I know a lot of films gonna be have been watched last week and then, you know, just re-upping on that this week. Got it. Um, Tuck, uh, some of the issues that, that cropped up in uh, the OU game was linebacker play. And uh, and I say this, it's stopping the QB run, mm -hmm. right? And Texas, you played, I believe, against uh, Donovan Smith last year against Texas Tech. He was the quarterback at Texas Tech. He's now the quarterback at U of H. Oh, for real? Houston, yeah. So he's moved there. The question I have for you, what, what does he provide as a runner 
to a, to a team? What what was different about him and what Texas Tech did and, and what he brings to the table? Um, I didn't think he was that great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't think he was that great running the ball. Uh, he, I mean, he made some plays, but I don't think it's like something that we need to be overly concerned with unless their offense is based around him. Just keep running the ball. I'm, I'm not sure. Is it like is their offense? I like think that? they're going to run a lot of QB draws, uh, a lot of QB counters. Uh, they'll run that sort of stuff in addition to being a spread offense. I think they use the QB almost as an adjunct to the, to the running game, just like OU didn't gain much through the yeah. ground on Texas conventionally. They yeah. ran a lot of outside stuff and they ran the quarterback. I feel like that's going to be kind of what U of H tries to do, Tuck. And Texas, frankly, the linebackers were in a little bit of conflict uh, between that run pass that that uh, Oklahoma put them in. How does Texas shore that up? Uh, well, I think, you know, last uh, against OU, we wasn't really expecting it. So it's kind of a mid-game adjustment type of thing. I think now, um, you know, as a defensive coordinator, as a defense, you want to always look at how the offense is going to attack you. And now that we've put that on film, we know that that's going to be something that teams try to do. So we'll be much more prepared for it now and, and you know, more cognizant of it. So um, it'll, it'll get handled that way just because now we know what teams are going to try to do against us. All right, Tuck, uh, speaking with Diamante Tucker Dorsey uh, here on Coffee and Football, brought to you by uh, the folks at Longhorn Wealth Management. Uh, Tuck, uh, you know, I as people comment in the thing, Tuck, appreciate it, keeping it, keeping it real, et cetera. My thoughts are a little bit, uh, you know, with what's going on right now. Texas came out last night as a 21-and-a-half-point favorite over University of Houston. Do, do you all hear that in the locker room? Is that – a number that gets tossed around, or is that just oh wow, we're heavy favorites? I mean, what when you hear something like that, do y'all do y'all even take notice of it, or is it kind of eh, not even thinking? Oh, no, we don't care about the odds. Um, but I do think that we need a statement win and go out there and win by like 40, 50 points just to show the world that you know we still are who we uh who who everybody thought we were. Um, I do think that. But the spreads, no, nobody cares about the spreads in a lot. Okay, of yeah, I, I, was I was wondering if it's a talk, you know, between the team. Go ahead, Jerry. Hey, Tuck, I'm going to take you back to James Madison when you were there. Oh, yeah. Okay, 2021, y'all ranked number three in the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, y'all lost a heartbreaker to Villanova, 28-27. <laughs> yeah. And then y'all had to come back. Um, y'all played the next week, but y'all <laughs> were ranked number three, the same place Texas was when you lost to Oklahoma last week. Mm -hmm. Y'all had national championship aspirations on that team. I think lost in the semifinal. Yep. What was it like after that week? Because y'all are thinking national championship, boom, y'all had the big the big dreams and goals. What was it like in the locker room? You were a leader on what that team, one of the leaders. What mm -hmm. did you do? What was your message? What do you think this Texas team has dealt with since that heartbreaking loss? Similar what y'all happened to y'all at James Madison because y'all rebounded, had a great year. Um, I think it's kind of two different dynamics as far as just like, you know, we didn't really lose that much. So it was more of a, it was like, wow, we really lost. We're not going to do that again um, type of thing. So it really wasn't like a stopping point. And that's why I say we need a big statement week, uh, a statement win this week just to show everybody that, you know, we're not affected by that. That's in the past, next play mentality, next game mentality. We still have a whole season to go. Uh, so that really has to be the message in the locker room is, 
you know, that's over and done with. We can't change the past. Let's handle our business today. Let's eat what's on our plate today. So I think we go out there against Houston, who we should destroy, and, you know, we do that. And then move on to the next game. What What is – what is the leadership role after a, a tough loss? What is that leadership role for who you were part of that leadership role at James Madison on a highly ranked team? What is that leadership role that was faced at Texas this week? What do you think that message was from guys? Uh, first, be a leader by example and attack the bye week uh, in, a, in a good manner and, you know, show up every day still with, the, with a good mindset and practice hard, even though it is a bye week and off week. Uh, but I think everybody has a sour taste in their mouth. So, uh, you know, just like I said, leading by example, doing things the right way and keeping everybody's spirits up, uh, you know, just conducting yourself the right way is probably the biggest thing. Just making sure that we're keeping the main thing the main thing, not letting everybody dwell on loss. Like even if it comes up in conversation, hey, you know, that's over and done with, you know, keeping focused on what we got to do next. Hey, Tuck, last year I felt like uh, Roshan Johnson was kind of the leader of the team. Uh, and and I, you could probably vouch for that or say, oh, well, it was something different. Who do you see the leaders of this team being for Texas right now? Um, from what I've heard, I think Quinn took a step this year, especially in the summertime. Um, I'm not going to tell you all the details, but uh, <laughs> he, he's probably, uh, you know, doing what he's supposed to do as a quarterback this year as far as leading the team. And I think that everybody's behind him, which is why we've seen the team perform so well, because he took it a step up. Uh, so probably Quinn. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, all right, Tuck. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your coming in and talking football with us each and every Monday right here on Coffee and Football. Yes, sir. See y'all next week. All right. See you, see you Tuck. Tuck uh, Keller Williams Realty uh, there in Austin as well. We appreciate you, Tuck, uh, coming in and talking to us. All right, Bobby. Well, before What's we move next? on. I know you uh, You have uh, uh, something to say about our other sponsor today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we need to talk about Home Field. Uh, you've heard us talk about Home Field Apparel uh, since the start uh, of the season. There are a lot of college, collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to uh, make sure you – we wanted to partner with Home Field because their designs are the best out there. Uh, some of my favorites, personally, are the 1883 Vintage logo, uh, home of the Longhorn Ringers tee, and the Texas baseball scripty. Uh, be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter tech by Texas, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal uh, using code on Texas23. On Texas23 gets you 15% uh, off your first order. We know you're all wearing UT gear. So if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out homefieldapparel.com. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each and every concept. Uh, there's really nothing else on the market quite like what Homefield is doing. Uh, you can find them, once again, at homefieldapparel.com and use code uh, ONTEXAS uh, for 15% off your first order. Uh, I've got a couple of gray ones myself with the Longhorn logo. Uh, enjoy them a lot. Uh, nice. I, I like the material as well. No doubt about it. And want to thank them. All right, well, Jerry, we have a question for you here that I wanted to get to. Uh, kind of an interesting question, too. And it's from Helio Castillo. He says, Jerry, is there a different level of player talent difference from North or South Florida player? Oh, it's an interesting question living down there six years. And I think it's a great question because, look, Texas, I, it just looks like 
feels like and what I hear, they're going to recruit the state of Florida more and more. Two senior year offers in Florida. Um, five guys committed in the last two classes. Obviously, uh, two signed, three committed in this class from the Sunshine State. But I think you're going to see more recruiting in Florida. So this is what I would say to that. Talent difference, no. But he, here's what's interesting about the state of Florida is the one thing that's not going to change is down Dade, Broward County, high-end skill guys and a lot of skill guys down there. Not that there's not OLDL, Tid, but your bigger frame, larger humans in that state or more central part of the state from helping run the Under Armour camps for years and living down there covering uh, recruiting in that state on a national level, and then up into Jacksonville. So that's that that Dade and Broward are some of the best skilled kids in the country. Is it, from a two county uh, neighboring counties, it's as talented as you'll find in the country. Um, but then the Tampa area and Orlando areas, what what's interesting there? That's where a lot of the people have moved in uh, to the state of Florida. So they haven't not a lot as many people have moved in. Not not their young families with football players haven't moved in to Dade and Broward to the same level they have to Tampa, Orlando and even that Jacksonville area. So you're starting, you see a lot more kids popping up in those areas, even in years past, but they're also some of the bigger kids in the state. So that's one difference in that state. But I'll say this about the state of Florida, though it's as raw talent because of the setup of high school football, as you'll ever see. Um, I, I jokingly say there wasn't a high school I went in uh, in my years doing this where somebody didn't run in the four fives. And, and that pretty much is the case. A lot of speed in that state, a lot of raw talent that you can mold. Um, and with Texas and their player development program, that's a very key state for Texas moving forward. I do think what's interesting, what what's going to be interesting coming down uh, here pretty quick, guys, Bobby, is I, I don't know if they already met on and voted on it, but I think they're meeting, the, the state is meeting voting on legislation that high school kids could make NIL money in the state of Florida, similar to what some other states are doing. Could that negatively impact schools that are recruiting in Florida? We'll have to see in future years. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, speaking of NIL, we have a super chat regarding that uh, from Isaiah Stewart. Thank you, Isaiah. He says, nowadays with the NIL and portal era, which has a greater impact, loyalty to older players or experience for younger players? Hook them. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a mix. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a perfect match. And I also think it depends on your existing roster, Isaiah. Uh, for example, Deion Sanders had no, no reason to be loyal to the existing players at Colorado. Uh, Florida State, Mike Norvell had almost no reason to be loyal to existing players. And he's gone total portal. Meanwhile, uh, if you're at, I don't know, Ohio State or Michigan, it may be a little bit of both, right? You may need to bring in a few portal guys along with developing your own guys. Um, and so same at Alabama, for example. Uh, Georgia hardly takes anybody in the portal or has to this point. Uh, they took a couple of receivers this past year, and that's been about it. So my, my point being, I guess, on this, um, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit of both. I think you have to bring up maybe a lot of linemen if you can get the linemen into your program and then supplement with skill where you're missing. Uh, that's Those seem to be the
the easier spots to really recruit. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Okay, we, let's talk about uh, some team-related questions. This first one here from R. Charnel. He says, any new wrinkles for short yardage? I mean, look, I think I think they're going to go – I there's no doubt that Steve Sarkeesian spent the off week thinking about that, guys, uh, especially after OU. Um, I, I think we're going to see more Savion Red as, as we get going. I think we'll see more Malik Ogbo on the goal line as well in the sixth offensive line look. Um, I think we'll see more Quinn throwing the ball on the goal line as well. I mean, because he the one thing about it is Xavier Worthy in single coverage is really tough for people to guard. And you can actually get him isolated outside a eight or nine man box that people are going to be on the one yard line. Um, and that's just a mismatch for just about any cornerback at this point in time. Uh, you could bring up Champ Bailey from 842 because I think there's a misunderstanding of some things. All right, Champ Bailey says, is it yeah. true? We, if, if it's true, we lose out on Ryan Wingo. Who does Texas go after now, or does Texas go strictly to the portal? When Texas lost hell, Texas moved straight to DeAndre Moore. That's what I want to move to. DeAndre Moore's a slot receiver. Jalen Hell's an outside receiver. Those two didn't have anything to do with each other. That's kind of what I'm saying on Isaiah Williams and Ryan, Ryan Wingo, just so Texas fans know. Uh, Isaiah Williams and Ryan Wingo are not the same receiver. Um, so – that they're this one offer has nothing to do with the other. I think if Texas misses out on Ryan Wingo, that'll be where that you go to the portal. Uh, I really do. I, I think Isaiah Williams is more of the uh, Xavier Worthy type of position. He is not the same position as Ryan Wingo. And by the way, on um, on Jalen Hell, Sark backed off that at the end. I, I don't know. I'm not sure I ever heard what happened there. Not saying it was the right decision, wrong decision. That was always one that stumped me because after on that official visit, he, he, he there was something he didn't like there. I don't know what it was. It was interesting. Okay, guys. King Me wants to talk about the offensive line. He says, who's our starting five O-line coming out of the bye week? I got to be honest. I mean, that's the million-dollar question, yeah. guys. I mean, I, King Me, if I could answer that question for you, I, I'd be a – I'd have my magic eight ball in front of me. Um, I'll, I'll give you this. I think left guard or left tackle will be Kelvin Banks. Right tackle will be uh, right tackle will be Christian Jones. Right guard will be Devin Campbell or DJ Campbell. Uh, I have no clue right now who the left guard and center will be. Going to depend on Jake Major's health. I think Jake's probably going to be an, another week out. So then that becomes: Is that going to be Cole Hudson? Is he ready, or is it going to be Connor Robertson? And at left guard. What are they going to do there? Because one of the issues in the um, in uh, against OU, uh, they did not get much push in the run game in short yardage against the Sooners, and that's Hayden Connor. Now, at the same time, we know Hayden Connor is a better pass protector than a lot of the other guys, and they move the ball freely down the field in the pass game. So, uh, interesting questions. Uh, I don't know is, is the, the bottom line answer, guys. I think one of the interesting things is if whoever you go with at center. 
you're pretty much sticking with unless there's major issues. Or you can come in and rotate a guard. What you don't want to do is, hey, Connor Robertson, you're going to start at center. We're going to bring in Cole in the second quarter. That's not the way you work a center position at all. So I would think whoever – look, Connor Robertson was – he didn't play bad against OU, right, for first time ever starting. Um, so, you know, I'm not – somebody saying Neto should start or, or will start. I don't know about that. Um, uh, but I think Neto, look, is continuing to get better. That That's all just calls, pass protection. He's tremendous in the run game, right? It's just part of his natural development. But whoever they go with at center, unless there's an injury, you're not going to see a rotation at center in a, in a college football game. Guards, yeah. So I wonder if you work Cole back in, Bobby. More guard this week. Do you? Put- yeah, I don't know. Here's my take on that. So Cole, the thing about Connor Robertson uh, that I want to say, I don't remember a single bad snap. Right. This would be Cole Hudson's first play, first game play ever, and all of a sudden you have a problem with a snap. Um, he's never really played the position before. So that's something that, that the coaches are going to have to consider. Now, they've seen him do it in practice and know whether or not he has a penchant for bad snaps or something. Do you want to risk all of that with bad snaps? I don't know. Uh, or are we just talking out our you-know-whats and Jake Major is going to be back? Because we do believe he's not out six to eight weeks. We, we think he's out more two to three weeks. So is he on the cusp of, be, of being able to come back now? And, and I don't know the answer. I think I think this week of practice is going to tell that story. I don't think so. I, I Bobby, to your point, Sark's not going to walk to the press conference at eleven this week and say Jake Majors is one hundred percent. I mean, red, good to go. I don't think we're expecting that. And we'll we may know more because Sark has been pretty upfront about injuries, guys. Yeah, day to day, questionable. You know, he's he hasn't been. I mean, he's a couple times he's kind of played. Let's hide it a little bit, but he's been fairly upfront you know, about, about different people. So maybe he says something today at 11. All right. Earlier we had that question about new wrinkles for short yardage, but Colton has the comment here. He says, I'm very curious to see what kind of adjustments the staff has made to the red zone offense. Jerry, you have anything, maybe more one-on-one looks to the receivers earlier. You know, it's, I had a thought just that I was just spitballing this weekend um, on it. You know where you could rotate on the goal line? You could bring in Neto at a guard. You could bring in Cam Williams as a sixth offensive tackle and then have Ogbo instead of Sweat. There's some things you can play around with and get your best run blockers on the field in those scenarios if you really wanted to dive into some things i'm interested i mean because look hayden connor is not going to be the guy that gets the push on the goal line at left guard but aneto would he would cam williams could you bring him into that other tackle spot bring malik, use malik ogbo more in that fullback role i could see them swinging at some things like that and looking at it because i do think there's a way to get better in your power run game by just making a couple of little changes on the goal line. I don't think you're bringing in a new left guard on fourth and one. Don't get me wrong, on the 38-yard line. But in the go- in the red zone, in the goal line situation, I- I'm, not- I'm not saying it's out of the question. Hey, here's what I would say. You don't want to mess around too much uh, because if they're not in the gameplay, all of a sudden it's fourth and one on the goal, uh, fourth and one on, on the goal line, 
And what happens is there's a false start because the guy's not used to the flow of the game. Yeah. And he's over anxious. So you need to be, if, if they're going to do that, Jerry, the, the, the offensive line coach and the coordinator need to be very, very uh, aware of what they think those guys can and can't handle. Yep. And speaking of the goal line, Football Texas says if we have to get gimmicky on the goal line of score, does that not say we are just inefficient as opposed to let's expand the playbook? Not necessarily. I mean, look, Washington has the best one, maybe the best offense in college football, right? They they were stopped on four plays from the one from by Oregon on Saturday. I mean, goal line stops happen. The problem that I'm having, I'm not so worried about that that goal line stop as I am general inefficiency in the red zone. Uh, Texas, they they have really like first and goal from the nine and first and goal from the eight has been a problem for them. You know, and so that's the real issue. It's not this outlier of fourth or four downs from the one yard line. Yeah, I'm that upset. That's upsetting. That's whatever. That's not happening in common from, from a common situation. That's not happening very often. The bigger issue is first and goal from the eight. How are we getting into the end zone? That's what needs to be solved as much. Everybody's putting this over hyper focus on a one yard play. And it, it does need focus. I'm not saying it doesn't. You can't over focus on it. The real issue, they've gotten stopped four times in a row from the one once this year. Their issue has been 10 yards going in, in my opinion. And then kind of along those same uh, lines, guys, he only free only 93 says, do you attribute red zone inefficiency to play calling or player execution? Oh, well, it's all, it's always both, right? I mean, every play yeah. is dra drawn up to, to win the day. Um, but I will say that, that uh, Texas declares its intentions when they bring in Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. So if you declare your intentions, the other teams know what you're going to do. Um, and I, I don't know that Texas necessarily needs to do that, like I said, with uh, Xavier Worthy on the field. You, you, Xavier Worthy is a mismatch one-on-one -on -one in short spaces and long spaces. So I, I would – it's almost like you want to keep him on the field just to keep defenses slightly honest. So we'll, we'll see. I – I don't know if it's play calling or execution. I think that some of the defenses are are becoming more risky in the red zone against Texas and selling out against the run. That's where I think it, what it's happening. They don't have to wait. They don't have to worry, be worried about the safety getting beat over the top. They'll, the safety will try to make up ground on a if it's a jump pass or something to a tight end, right? So th that's the biggest piece. And then while we're talking about wide receivers, like worthy uh pablo the columbian says if we go four wide receiver sets if more and cook come in who comes out would that set involve a tight end it depends uh, unlikely to involve a tight end and four wide receiver set uh if if you have a running back i mean couldn't uh there's too many guys on the field um i don't know what texas would do uh, in a four wide receiver set i don't know that more and cook would necessarily be on the field simultaneously in it not right now, not when Jordan Whittington, a, a, uh, Adonai Mitchell, and uh, Xavier Worthy are playing so well. 
Okay, guys. And then Longhorn Larry here with another offensive question. He says, with Houston being the weakest team left on the schedule, could we finally see Arch Manning get some playing time if we have a lead going into the fourth quarter? I don't think Houston's the weakest team left on the schedule. I mean, do y'all? Yeah, I do. You think they're weaker than BYU? Yeah. Yeah, they're weaker than BYU, but but it maybe not because it's a road game versus a home game. I don't think I don't I don't think Houston's the weakest team left on the schedule. I'll Houston just, just I mean they're not they're like 105 in defense. They're pretty yeah. bad defensively. Yeah, but they're pretty good on offense. Yeah. I, I mean I, I think I don't think that's the case. I think uh BYU right now can't run the ball and they're not playing great defense. Yeah. Um you know, I, I feel like there's some some of that. Uh, Kansas State, I think, is just now with this new quarterback is going to be interesting. Texas Tech might be that one, Jerry. They're three and four playing with a third string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, let's let's take let's look at it that way too. I I feel like uh, it, it's the last last six games just got infinitely more interesting for Texas uh, because all of a sudden they're going to play backup quarterbacks at three different schools, most likely. TCU is one of them too. You know, until I'll be honest, until Chandler Morris got hurt, I thought TCU was one of the lower teams in the back half of the schedule for Texas. They just weren't playing well. That loss to Colorado looks worse by the day. Right, well, we've talked about the offense. Let's talk about the defense for a minute. Uh, Terrell Hennigan says, I counted at least 15 plays where Houston ran either quarterback draw or some kind of zone read where Smith kept the ball. Should we expect more of the same given what Dylan Gabriel just did to Texas? Yeah, because here's the thing. U of H is 97th in rush offense. If they're going to have any success running the ball against Texas, it's going to have to be quarterback. And, and it's going to have to be out of spread formations where they get a numbers advantage. And that's how you can stay in a game against a team that you know you can't stop unless they stop themselves. How big is Donovan Smith? Say that. Six five two four six four and a half two forty. He's a big dude. He's much bigger than uh, uh, than D Dylan Gabriel. Um, I think he's a better runner than Dylan Gabriel. Um, I don't know if he's quite. I don't know if he feels the pocket no. closing as well as Dylan Gabriel. No. Uh, but as a true QB run guy, he can run QB power much better than Dylan Gabriel right. ever thought of. Uh, he did it last year against Texas in, in Lubbock. Um, the, the thing that gets going with me on, in this question is Texas has a good run defense, right? We, we, we know and believe that. These spread teams run uncondition, uh, unconventionally. To it, it's, it's not the normal run game that, that you have to be worried about. That means David Benda and Jalen Ford and even to a, another degree, Anthony Hill have to be ready. I, I think the second half of the schedule is going to challenge Texas in that regard uh, because you not only have Donovan Smith, Avery Johnson at, uh, and Will Howard at Kansas State. Um, I think those guys are going to be, be running the football uh, as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I think linebackers are going to be big this week for Texas. If Jalen Ford and those guys come to play and aren't out of place, communicating well, I think Texas defense will be fine. If not, I'll tell you the other one. Tackling in the secondary is going to be huge this week because if anybody hasn't watched Houston, uh, Matthew Golden's a really, really good player. Um, really good player. He was the best football player on that Klein Kane team, including Jaden Blue. 
Uh, they were there at the same time. He was the best player on that team. Um, and then Joseph Manjack, the USC uh, transfer to U of H. He's a guy they're going to run a lot of short stuff with, but he's a big, thick, physical football player. I watched him play at Tomball Memorial. Very physical, will not go down on first contact. Tackling in space, secondary is going to be big Saturday. All right, Bobby, before we move on to some more questions, and we're going to talk some more defense here in just a second, why don't you tell everybody about the Longhorn Wealth Management Group? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to our sponsor, John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management. John is a proud UT grad, as are his wife and six siblings. Uh, that fuels John's UT passion and led him to dedicate his firm to providing total wealth management services to all UT alums and employees and their respective families and friends. Uh, John has been proudly serving for more than 30 years. This week is National Estate Planning Awareness Week. So Longhorn Wealth wants to remind you to make sure you have your updated your will, power of attorney, and trust documents as these important legal instruments are vital to ensuring your wishes are carried out properly to provide for your loved ones and or your charitable beneficiaries upon your passing. To learn how Longhorn Wealth can provide the most appropriate estate planning strategies and solutions to best meet your unique family, business, or charitable legacy planning desires, please give John and the Longhorn Wealth Team a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, I, I tell you what, uh, Rod Babers needs to get get with John. Yeah, he right now he's last night. Offspring. <laughs> he needs to get going. All right, guys, you're watching Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. Plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the quarterback runs. Bobby, you said the linebackers need to be ready, but Trail wants y'all to go a little bit more in depth. He says, how do we stop the quarterback runs this week? Obviously, Houston runs that for a fair amount of their offense. Dominance at defensive tackle. You want to stop that and make them one-sided? Dominant at defensive tackle, and then your ed your edges have to collapse in when they pull. They have to set the edge, truly set it, and run it back inside. Okay? You can't let them get outside on that stuff. So, dominance at defensive tackle. Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Trill Carter would be good at this, by the way, guys. Um, that's that's kind of who, who and what he is. Um, Sadir Mitchell, those kind of guys you have to you have to really uh, lean on, and then the edges have to collapse. They can't just try to olay themselves around the blockers to get to the quarterback because by the time they do that, the quarterback's gone. I, uh, a couple of things I want to hit on Blake. Uh, yeah. Somebody asked about uh, Ross, Chris Ross. No update there. Um, I was even at North Shore recently, and the North Shore staff didn't really know. I don't think the thought was he'd be back for Houston, though. Um, I think that was – elbow may take a little longer. Somebody asked about um, Cedric Baxter, his issues, health issues, a byproduct of a strength. Yeah, no, look, so here's my thought on Cedric Baxter. That first that first run that run against Rice, that's just a bad luck fall. I mean, he fell on the tip of his right shoulder. Um, just a, That's just a bad luck fall. I, I mean, I don't care if – what strength and conditioning program you've been in? Running backs get hurt, man. I mean, guys get injured, and that was just a that was a tough luck the way he fell. Calf calf thing, you know, he should be closer to 100 percent this week. But I don't think lack of strength and conditioning 
at the high school level had anything to do with the fell, fall he took on his shoulder. Uh, that was just a bad luck uh, fall for him. I think, Blake, you're muted. My apologies. Let's move on. As I was saying, Ralph Neely says, do they have a passing game to go along with the run? That's what they really rely on. Uh, they rely on Donovan Smith's arm to get it to those receivers. And they throw a lot to the backs, too. I mean, yep. Dana Holgerson, this is a typical Dana Holgerson offense. I mean, he likes to throw it around the yard. Um, uh, yeah. And I do not be surprised if they come out and throw it 50 times. I would be completely unsurprised if they try to do that. He likes to spread the ball around, especially if he thinks he's found something in the Texas secondary that's a weakness. Yeah, I think uh, one thing about Houston, just uh, their receivers are really good. I mean, Matthew Golden was a mid-four-star guy. Texas actually offered him too late in the process, Then maybe didn't push, probably wish they had, uh, didn't push. Uh, but Joseph Manjax a USC transfer. Samuel Brown. Sam Brown is a West Virginia transfer who was a, who was a highly recruited kid. They've got talent at wideouts. Stephon Johnson was a one-time Oregon commitment, flipped Oklahoma State, transferred into Houston. They have legit talent at wide receiver. They have a guy or two that are going to be in NFL training camp to that position. Now, their offense as a whole, it's interesting, 12 of their 22 starters against West Virginia, West Virginia came from the transfer portal. That includes the quarterback, who came from Texas Tech, obviously. Tyler Johnson's a starting guard for Houston, Texas transfer. Uh, they, uh, they don't have a great offensive line, but I will say this, that Patrick Paul's a first, second-round pick. One of their tackles is a very talented guy, but they have a lot of transfers um, from Power 5 programs, but their receiver core is the strength of their team in terms of the most talented position. Uh, we got a couple of super chats, but before I get to those, I want to ask well, this one more defensive question. This one from Esteban Guajardo. He says, any word on Catalan? And also, who would y'all like to see at corners this weekend? Well, I think that, um, first of all, Catalan, we have no update other than he was day-to-day -day last week. Okay, so he, the thought is that he'll probably be ready this week. Um, that's, you know, that being said, Steve Sarkeesian could step up and say something totally different, but I, that's what I've heard behind the scenes. He's expected to be day to day. Uh, as far as cornerbacks for me, uh, right now, I think they got to focus on, look, they're going to get stuff done. If you're playing man coverage against this team right now, I think they have to go with some people that can, can tackle, uh, Ryan Watts, uh, is particularly good at that. I think that Terrence Brooks can be good at that. I would say that those two probably start this week uh, if if Watts is truly back from his hammy. All right, let's get to those Super Chats. This first one from Tim and, and Kiso. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, thank you, Tim. He says, I've been wondering if Sark has had an eye towards this program's evolution as we head to the SEC and if that has caused any hiccups so far. Jimbo three times from the one is very, or I'm sorry, Jumbo three times from the one is very SEC like. Is there anything there? Oh, I think there's definitely something there. I mean, uh, th that is where, uh, that that's why Texas has been recruiting large humans. They want to have the look physically of the Alabama and Georgia. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That's what they desire to look like physically on the football field. Uh, so there definitely is a little bit of that. Um, I, I think what's so interesting about, you know, 
the goal line stand is such a it's been such a big topic. But what's interesting for me is the running backs Texas have they don't really fit that mold this year. So I I think that's going to be interesting too. I like I'm a person, Bobby. I think more of a spread set is better for Jonathan Brooks inside the five, inside the two, inside in that area even because he's not a drop your pads power back on people that's going to just run over somebody if he has one guy to get through uh, to get to the goal line. And in those jumbo sets, that's pretty much what you're asking a guy to do. Um, he's better when you spread it out and he can be a little more patient. He can read that linebacker one time and find that place to be uh, and then get over the goal line. I think if you're going to try to base anything out of power package, it's got to be Savion Red or Cedric Baxter. And honestly, I don't want Jonathan Brooks taking that many hits on the goal line anyways. We're midway through the season. Um, I as Has it caused any hiccups? Um, I don't see that necessarily. Um, I, I think that – I think the problem uh, – as it relates to that specific issue of the goal line uh, isn't, I think it, it has more to do with running the ball and, and having successful running back, finding the hole uh, as well as getting a push up front. And so, you know, is Hayden Connor not getting a push indicative of not of, of an SEC preparation? No, it's not. Is having a uh, red shirt freshman center uh, indicative of that? No, it's not. I think it's just a problem overall. And our next super chat is from Fresh Prince 512. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And he says, does Texas have an Elijah Robinson problem? Uh, that, yeah. they're, they're speaking of uh, the uh, defensive line coach at uh, Texas A&M, who uh, apparently is is a doing really well recruiting. But I got to say, I don't know necessarily think that's really why they're getting the recruits. So yeah. uh, let's be clear about that. Uh, the, yeah. the reality of it is, is Terry Price, the former Aggie defensive line coach, was also a very good recruiter. They had two good recruiters on the defensive line, in my opinion, Jerry. Uh, but I don't think Elijah Robinson or Todd yeah. Bates or whoever at Oklahoma is a problem. Uh, yeah. The problem is Texas got to find the fits and get the right guys. And I do expect Texas to look in the portal at defensive tackle. I mean, why wouldn't they? If they lose all three – uh, of their top guys this year, why wouldn't they look important? Yeah, uh, to, to answer that question, no. I mean, I, I, I think Elijah Robinson's great, but um, I also think Bo Davis is tremendous. I think all these guys, there's a lot of really good D-line coaches out there. Um, I mean, I don't know if to say nine five stars go to one school because they like Elijah Robinson. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> All right. Well, Bobby, you mentioned the transfer portal, so that's what this next question is going to be about. Jason Wathan says, how many will Texas take in the transfer portal given the available scholarship spots available, especially after the draft? Depends on how many go pro and how many actually leave the program because they don't see a path to starting themselves. So the, it's TBD, to be determined. Um, I will say this, I expect one to two wide receivers. I mean, they, they, they're going to need a wide receiver. If they lose all three. They're going to need defensive tackles, period. They may need them if only two go pro. Um, they may need a tight end for sure if JT Sanders leaves because you can't wait on the other guys to get ready. Uh, safety, again, uh, a, a question mark, because other than, than Derek Williams, 
who do you got back there right now? You're not going to go with Michael Taft. Uh, so those those are guys. Uh, then I, I think you could look at some other spots here and there, maybe an edge. But again, that's like finding, you know, a needle in a haystack. Uh, so there, there's a, a number of different positions. I think five to seven, six to ten, anything like that, depending on how many leave. Like if, if, yeah. if 10 guys leave this off, off, off season outside of the NFL draft, you're going to take seven to eight at least. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, second time he's asked, Antoine, you don't have to bring it up. Why no traction with Adrian Wilson, 2025 from Fluverville, Texas, and push for him. They like they, they like some other guys better for various reasons. All right, we're going to go back to the portal for just a second here as we have one more question from Jose Rodriguez. He says, Bobby and Jerry, how do teams evaluate taking transfers from rival programs? Does it even matter to coaches at all? Not really. Well, I mean, I, if he's asking about – I mean, it's a part of the evaluation. I mean, look, I think the evaluations change for Sark. Um, when he came in, they took Ajay Hall and they took uh, uh, Jill Billingsley. They took more risks early on from a – it's this tough word, so it's a character standpoint, based on history standpoint. Um, I think Texas is in a better place now. They're a different program now. They can uh, be more selective but they also are recruiting to a culture a little bit different now than they were when they were trying to just get wins on the field. So I do think there's a slight shift in evaluation, but you can find really talented players that you feel like fit more the culture that you've instilled and are having success with now. Okay, guys, this next question, or I guess it's more of a comment here. Uh, oh, and it just slipped. Away. Okay, here we go. Another one from Jose Rodriguez, but I'm also going to make this a two-parter. He says, I know y'all have noticed how Jay Brooks hasn't dropped a catchable pass since Alabama. He's a true weapon in the passing game now. And then we had another comment, this one from Brock. He says, Jordan Brooks could go off against Houston. Back-to-back Doak Walker Award winners would be cool. Now, before the bye, Brooks obviously led all Power 5 teams in rushing yards, but he didn't hear his name nationally a lot. I was going to ask my question to y'all is, do y'all think that changes as we continue to move on if he has the success that he can have? Oh, oh yeah. There's no question about it. And look, he's Texas is playing uh, U of H 97th in nation in rush defense, BYU 80th in a nation in rush defense, Kansas State's 21st, second best rush defense Texas will face this year by the numbers. Uh, but Texas has two, uh, uh, two rush defenses that are very favorable to running back, putting up big numbers coming up in the next three games. I, I think is a, I, I think there's a chance, you know, in U of H man, there were a lot of running lanes there for West Virginia. They did not have a big time back. Uh, they did. They got more out of their quarterback run game at times. Uh, but I, I, I suspect Jonathan Brooks, unless it's just a game where they split carries with him and said Baxter to ensure Brooks is healthy to second half of the year. I think Jonathan Brooks could have a huge game Saturday. And I think he could have a big game against BYU as well. So two of the next three, if he has big games against those, that's really going to push him as long as Texas wins these next three games right into that dope conversation for sure. I think he's staring at 1,500 yards rushing easy this year. What is that going to get you? Is that going to be enough to be first team 
all American. I don't know. Um, I, I do. I will say this. Uh, looking at the Big 12 right now, the other running back that I really like uh, is Taj Boyd. Uh, I think I think K State has a nice back. Uh, I really believe uh, that that they're they're good running. Uh, uh, to Ward, I believe his name is, is a good running back. Uh, Colin Oliver is playing well for Oklahoma State. Uh, you have Derek Neal and Darren Hyshaw at Kansas. Uh, but the best, the two best running backs for my money right now in the Big Twelve are Taj Boyd, um, or Taj Brooks, excuse me, at uh, Texas Tech, and uh, Jonathan Brooks at uh, Texas. Uh, we got time for just a couple of more questions, and then we got to get out of here. Car Carmon says, "Is Texas the best one loss team?" Mm, I mean, Oregon's pretty good, but they got a brutal schedule coming up. I mean, Oregon's good against the run on defense. They, I mean, they beat Washington in every way except the scoreboard. Uh, that in that game, um, I mean, is I think I still think I still think Texas is better than Alabama. I still think they're a better team. I think Alabama's got more um, issues on offense um, long term. Uh, so, I mean, I would go with yes, but I do think Oregon's a very good team that's got a tough schedule to finish. I think the, the hard thing about that, Jerry, is how many undefeated teams there still are. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, look, at least USC went down this week, right? Yeah, they're going to lose two undefeated. But North Carolina, Florida State in the in the uh, ACC, yeah. um, Georgia in the in the SEC, Oklahoma in the uh, Big Twelve, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan in the Big Ten, and then Washington out west. I mean, I, I just feel like you've got a lot a lot of undefeated teams. So you know, being the the best one loss team may not mean as much now as it might in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yep. All right, Jerry, I'm going to ask you this question, and then we'll do one more question after that, and then we better get out of here. This is from Rick Serda. He says, is the 2025 class in Texas better than 24? Yeah, I, watched, I actually watched a lot of junior tape on 25s last week, late last week. 24 is better at the top. There is no Colin Simmons in Texas next year. There isn't anybody that level. Um, to me on defense. Um, I mean, Decorian Moore on offense is pretty special. Uh, but Decorian Moore could could end up the number one ranked kid in that class or Devin Sanchez. Um, if a wide receiver corners your number one ranked player in the state, it's not – even though those guys are very good, it's not a great year at the top. I think the 25 class in Texas has a lot of depth. What that does for Texas, not so much. Um, what that does for all the other schools who recruit Texas a lot. So for Texas recruiting only, I think the 24 class is better than the 25 class for the University of Texas recruiting. The depth in the state, better in 25 than 24. The Houston area has their best class, 2025 best cycle they've had in, in three or four years next year. Texas needs to get after it down there. No doubt about it. Okay, guys. Real quick before I ask all this last question, Joseph Diaz says on Texas football, did I get did I win that giveaway yet? Don't forget, there's two different giveaways. There's one on Twitter, which we will announce the winner on Friday. All you got to do, go to Twitter, retweet, make sure you follow on Texas football, and then retweet this tweet right here. And then the for the autograph poster, we're just gonna randomly select it once we get to 25,000 subscribers. 
and it's getting closer and closer by the day. So stay tuned, Justin Diaz. You never know. Uh, last question for today, guys. Longest Horn says, who are y'all's top five college football teams right now? Woo. Um, Michigan won. Um, maybe Ohio State, two. Georgia, I'm going to leave it three, but I think they're sleepwalking when you sleepwalk. And, and I think they're experiencing some of the issues other programs have had right now is the next group of young kids that come in, especially in the NIL day and age. They don't understand uh, what happened to make it happen. Um, so I think they could that their schedule is very favorable and easy. Outside of those three, Bobby, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you go with Florida State because they're undefeated. I'm still not sure if I think they're top five. Um, I, I would put Washington up there as probably my number four um, in Florida State at five over Oklahoma. Um, mine are going to be a little bit different. Uh, I've got Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Washington. I think the three teams in the Big Ten are all really, really good. Yeah. Really, really good. And I didn't put them in there because some one of them was going to have two losses this year. Oh, I know, yeah, I know. But I, if I, if you told me that Texas had to play other than Washington, okay, if you told me Texas had to play Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, those those four teams would give me pause cause for concern because they have enough offense and they are really really talented on defense. The last thing Texas fans want to see is a game against Manny Diaz and Mike Yurcich. <laughs> that would be a tough one to stomach if Manny Diaz shut down Sarge. Well, Manny Diaz just blitz. He would just blitz. And so maybe that's maybe you're right. That's not a loss that Texas fans would handle very well if it ever happened. No, he comes from the Mickey Andrews school of defenses, which is just rush everybody. Yeah. When in doubt, send eight. You know. <laughs> All right, Bobby. Why don't you tell everybody what's coming on on Texas football later today? A absolutely. I, I, Jerry's got recruiting breakdown. Uh, lunch with the coach is going to be moved till tomorrow. Brian Irwin, our coach, couldn't uh, visit with us today. Uh, he's going to be in on tomorrow. And then Jerry and Rod are doing talking ball this evening. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, as well as what we've got on InsideTexas.com. Make guys, make sure you check out InsideTexas.com. We have a special going on right now. OTFIT23 is the promo code. That's OTFIT23 for a promo code. Make sure you hit uh, the select the monthly offer to get the special deal. One dollar for two months on OTF uh, on InsideTexas.com. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football right here on On Texas Football. I want to thank Longhorn Wealth Management Group for sponsoring today's show. Um, thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. And we'll, for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Starts press conference at 11, guys.